I'm Adam Coleman, inviting you to the fifth season of The Cosmic Library from LitHub. This season, we go on our tiniest reading adventure yet, into short stories in the U.S. But this too turns out to be almost all-encompassing. I think short stories are essentially brief encounters with felt life. That's Oxford literary scholar Andrew Kahn, who gives us a deep history of the short story. And we hear from The New Yorker's Deborah Treisman, who explains her work as an editor of short fiction. You know, if you are melding with another person, you don't turn that person into you, but you get to know the ins and outs of that person. So, and it's, it's sort of like that. I always feel involved with the stories. We bounce around between the history and current life of short stories with the novelist Justin Taylor. The nice thing about it going out of fashion is that it really frees you up to relate to it in a different way. This being the Cosmic Library, we make sure to go way beyond U.S. short stories, too. Here's the Washington Post critic, Becca Rothfeld. A lot of Kafka short stories, I think, gesture at or describe um, sort of nightmarish geographies or architectures. And the actor Max Gordon Moore reminds us just how wild short stories can be. With a reading in its entirety of Wakefield, the intensely strange, classic Nathaniel Hawthorne story. He had contrived, or rather he had happened, to dissever himself from the world, to vanish. Get ready for all that and more in a season about short stories, small windows into vast universes. It's season five of The Cosmic Library, available soon wherever you go for podcasts. Welcome to the Maris Review. I'm Maris Kreisman, and today I am joined by my friend, Glory Edom, who I haven't seen in a while, so it's really exciting to just see her over Zoom. It's better than nothing. But anyway, Glory is the founder of Well-Read Black Girl, a book club and digital platform that promotes Black literature and sisterhood. She won the Innovators Award at the 2017 Los Angeles Times Book Prizes, and her latest anthology is called On Girlhood, 15 Stories from the Well-Read Black Girl Library. Hi, Glory. Hi, Maris. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Good to see you too. This is so, this is like a whole nother world. We're not in person, but Zoom is like the next best thing. Next best thing. Um, so let's talk about the fact that I think I first met you through Tumblr. Yeah. And that was what, like almost 10 years ago. Yeah, probably more than that. I feel like Tumblr was the first real iteration of Well-Read Black Girl. It was like me putting quotes and things that I just was like really excited about um, on that platform. Yeah. And it was just, it, it was my vision board in a lot of ways, like microblogging, vision boarding, manifesting. I love that. And and, and you made it happen. I, um, yeah. Completely unexpected though. Not with this intention. I mean, this is way better than I could have ever imagined, but yeah, Tumblr was for sure the beginning. And you've this, you've turned this into a real movement. So tell me about the evolution of well-read Black Girl, I think is my question. I I feel like I'm still like getting used to the word movement, you know, because it feels, I I always say well-read Black Girl is so much bigger than me and it has these deep roots and it's all about visibility and it's all about us like finding reflections of one another. But in the beginning, in the very Tumblr like world, it was simply about me making friends and really trying to find a a space of belonging. And the fellow tumblers will agree that like, you can find your people on the internet, you can make wonderful friends and 
connect with people and be like your weirdest self because it's all about just like letting it hang out. Um, and when I first moved to New York, I really didn't know that many people. And I was like missing the interaction I had when I was at Howard University. And I was like, you know, fumbling into adulthood and in such a major way in such a huge city. Um, so the beginning was really just me trying to make friends and books have always been my friends. They've always been a space like refuge for me. Um, and when I was able to read something that made me feel good and I could laugh out loud or even cry, you know, cause mm-hmm. you can read a book and cry and feel totally like released. It's like our catharsis, you know? Absolutely. Um, so all those things were like the beginning and I f- feel like now it's changed into something that feels more, you know, five years later with the festival and now with the second anthology on girlhood, I'm thinking of it more as an institution and a space that um, is archiving works of Black people, Black writers, whether it's Black women or non-binary folks. Like I just want to create a space that um, there's not like a digital erasure happening that, that we can always kind of go back to our libraries and go back to these digital platforms. And there is a honest space for us to exist. Yeah. And I love, I love that um, the subtitle even of the anthology is stories from the well-read black girl library. Like you've created this library and, and now we're honoring it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with the first anthology there, it's like a massive list of all the books that I like love to read and like we're part of the original Well-Read Black Girl library. And um, now with this one, you know, as you read each story, you there's like questions at the end, very much in the book club space and vibe. Um, And there's also another long list of beautiful coming of age stories. And I was like really determined to focus in on like the girl and well-read black girl. Like I really think of this as like a love letter to my like little self when I was trying to figure out all those things. Um, you, you know, and I think it's like really about like the, the characters in each story are making mistakes. They're complicated. They're messy. They're imperfect. They're like beautiful. And they're all like just figuring shit out. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. And um. Uh, and I think that is at the end of the day, what I'm constantly doing, I'm constantly trying to figure out who I am, whether that's me at 18 or me like at 30, like I don't have this kind of like ceiling of growth. I want to just continue to evolve. And I see that same kind of just like pattern and like, you know, evolution and the organization. I just want to, I don't want anyone to feel like they can't join in and understand themselves a little bit more. Mm. Um, ask questions and be curious. Like I'm constantly like, I'm good for telling people. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how I got here, but I'm figuring it out. Um, and I think that's like, allows me to take more risk and not be afraid of like messing up or failing because I, I know I can like learn through it and grow through it. Absolutely. Messiness beautiful part of life. Um, isn't it the best part though? Like if you are if you, like, once you're just like, okay, I'm good with all the messiness. I'm good with all the fuck ups. I can like you free yourself. Like there's like a liberation in it. It's, if there, there's also just a part of me that like still fights against the perfectionism uh, or like, or the facade of looking a certain way. Um, but you know, once you like fight through and get past that, there's just like, there's just so much more in the world to experience and you're not caught up in just 
you know, what things look like. And that's so easy to do, especially with social media, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like people could assume that Well Red Black Girl is only an Instagram platform. It's only something that exists on Twitter and Facebook. Mm. But no, it's a library. It's a collection of books. It's a collection of like archives and aspirations. It's the things that we are like searching for in the world. It's not simply just social media. Social media is just one tool that we use to reach people and increase visibility. Of course. And I love in the introduction uh, to this anthology, you talk about how you built your own personal library. So tell me a little bit about that, because I love the idea um, of curating from the beginning and, and trying to find the things that make you happy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I read I read widely. I definitely read widely. And I there are things in my book, on my bookshelf that are like, you know, the icons, like I love little women, you know, that like, I really thought I was Joe March at one point. And that, that's <laughs> a story that speaks to me. But I also remember the first time I read Zora Neale Hurston and how I really struggled through it. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, it was really hard for me to what, read The Eyes Are Watching God. I didn't understand the dialect. I didn't really, um, I, I grew up in, you know, Washington, DC. I'm not from right. the South. So I just was not 100% like, I don't even know what the word is. I just didn't fully get it the first time I read it. Mm -hmm. And that like struggle of trying to understand who she was and her, um, even just understanding her voice, that it felt like it built something in me. It built me like a sense of like resilience and being like, this is hard, but there's like something that's going to, you're going to get something out of this. Even the same thing with Morrison. If anyone says they understand Morrison the first time they read it through, it's a bold-faced lie. Like, you're not going to know. You're not going to understand it. You're not going to get all the metaphors. You're not going to get the full meaning. Right. Unless you sit with it. Like, you have to sit with it and reflect and have a... And I'm now, I mean, at this point, I've probably read The Bluest Eye like 10 times, you know? And each reading is... Um, so eye-opening and illuminating. It also kind of like shows a milestone of of how I've grown. So I recently read it again during the pandemic. I read it um, right after my son was born. And I had this other kind of like revelation of just like motherhood and like this Mm. new like sense of tenderness. And uh, I felt even more protective of Pecola because I was just like, oh, you know, like how could her mother feel this way? You know, like it was, it's completely the opposite of nurture, right? And so even reading it then was just like a whole new experience for me. And with this library, I think of it as memories and experiences. And I like to even compare it to your favorite playlist or your, you know, like the the songs that, you know, when you hear a song, like you're transported into that, that space, you know, I can still remember the songs from my prom and like all all these, you know, memories and the books do the same thing to for me. When I read something, I I'm suddenly eight years old again. And I'm like, Oh, like, I know what it was like to read this poem or, um, I was very much into like memorizing speeches. I could not do it anymore. Unfortunately, (laughs) I was, um, when I was younger, like in elementary school, middle school, I was good for like trying to, you know, say a, like this, you know, sojourn truth out loud or quote something. I just thought that was such such an awesome thing when adults would quote, you know, things out loud. Or my mom was good for making up these like really absurd sayings, you know, like, um, I don't know. She was always calling people like bully goats and making like just to say these like made up scenes. And I just was like, how does she know these things? Like how, like these adults have just like these, you know, 
words that they say that just seem like they make sense. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. I want to be like the type of person who just like, you know, can quote Martin Luther King automatically, <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, I think that's what another reason why I'm like kind of drawn to like looking at quotes and like looking at reading memoir. Like I love reading memoir because it, it, it kind of brings you back to this place of this is a real life person. This is not, um, fiction is one thing, but someone's life story can be motivation and can be so aspirational for you. So the first book that I really read that was not Frederick Douglass was, you know, was like a, a, like a biography of, of, from a black woman was my Angelos. I know why the cage bird sings. Sure. And that book left like the hugest imprint <laughs> on my mind. Like I was just like, wow, she's like doing all these things, you know, she's unconventional. She has all these careers. And not only was she doing all these miraculous things, like she just was like her herself. She d- didn't seem like she had any kind of like, you know, fakeness or any shame with her experiences. Like she put everything out there, whether it was good or bad. And I think that's just something that we should strive to emulate, to put your whole self out there on the page in the world and try to make a difference and not be, you know, not be afraid of like the mess ups. I'm, I'm definitely in the space of like, I, I want to be messy and I want to like live my life in like full color, you know? Yeah. And I, so I love that this is for sure one of the only hardcover books I've seen that has the reader's group guide kind of questions in the text. And, and so you elevate those questions up to like part of the narrative of the book for lack of a better term. Yeah. And, and one of the things I notice is that most times you you ask readers, you ask readers about the text, but then you ask them to talk about their personal lives. Uh, yes, I want that connection between the, the story and the characters and the reader. I want it to feel like everything is very interconnected and they are having a whole experience um, because that's what my process is was when I'm reading books, I am thinking about, I'm losing myself in the story, but I'm also very mindful of the things that I've experienced and how it can help me just become more aware of the world around me. And I don't think there are many coming of age stories that don't fixate on um, black girl trauma and just pain. And I wanted it to be more uh, just wider and, and just like just more love and tenderness and more vulnerability. And that is definitely a common theme through each story. There is like a level of vulnerability and openness Mm -hmm. and there's a a lightness. Like one of my favorite stories is um, Melvin sixth grade. Yes. And Dana Johnson, Dana Johnson is just so incredible. And I am always in awe of writers that can get back into the the voice of a of a young person and especially at this kind of crucial moment where they're like having crushes and really trying to just mm-hmm. like you know having first loves like it's so adorable and and she doesn't like she's not you know trying to imitate like young people in any way it just it sounds very authentic like if I was suddenly in the sixth grade that's the you know I would talk the same way I would yes. make 
same kind of, you know, distinctions on what I was like, who, who, who's the cool person in class is coolness is, is ever, you know, even outside of childhood coolness kind of like goes into the, it's called a different thing as an adult, but it's still there, that feeling, that vibe. Um, and so I just was like, so when I read that, I was like, this has to be in there because there is this kind of this longing that the young girl is having, but she's also just like, like, how do I do this without hurting someone, without hurting myself? It's, you know, it's still preserving myself and making mistakes. I'm, I'm just, yeah. I'm all for it um, because I don't really see them as mistakes. I think they're, it's a, it's a space that we're, we're just learning. They're like lessons. Each book feels like a, a little lesson. So I did strive to connect the reader and the characters in a really powerful way. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And, and I think... I have the impression, and, and and maybe maybe this was just my upbringing in suburban New Jersey, but there is a wide swath of people who come to books expecting the characters to only be heroic or quote unquote likable. Yes, and, and it's so important to to counter that. <laughs> counter I I okay so did you ever watch 90210 you know Lori yes okay I know I I know I I wanted to put it out there I know you read all the things read all watched all the things I've read your first book so so with that who can you please tell me or were you who was your girl Brenda but it took a while but but you, you you I'm a Brenda I loved Brenda too, but it's because her story is unexpected. It's like counter to all of that. Like she was a badass. Like she Brenda was, was a badass. I was looking for the Brendas in all in all these stories. You know, like I oh, wanted. I love that metaphor. Like, I just wanted to be like I don't want you to like the character, but you will respect them and you will get their like interior voice and their dialogue, all the things they're thinking inside, and that's also the power of a short story like you're mm-hmm. not you're not getting plot like you're getting a little bit of plot but a that's not bit. like a little bit but that's not the mainstay of a short story the short story I, I really feel is like the lens into what the character is thinking it's it's depending on how the the writer you know frames everything and brings like the moments um into um into view because I especially in the short stories I pick they're really more like dialogue within the characters there's more dialogue than necessary plot like you know the story by Camille Acker where the young girls are just like running amok in DC and causing all this trouble that is all the inside thoughts you know and just like like trying to find their own agency and find their own space in the world and to other people that could be viewed as like dangerous and violent, but for them, they are free and they don't give any fucks, you know? And that is the space. Like I want that. I want people to see that there could be a multitude of voices when it comes to black girlhood and they deserve that space and they deserve not to be, have to be heroic or constantly be like, um, 
weighed down by this idea of, of only teaching and educating the reader yeah. or being, um, you know, the, the spokesperson for anti-racist, you know, literature, like that is needed and vital, but it is not the only voice. We deserve science fiction and romance and messiness and just like all the things that really make a beautiful story, like that becoming of of everything, you know, and that's, I was looking for the Brenda's. I was looking for something that was different and uh, would just make you question. I like this idea of reading with questions and investigating um, whether you're reading nonfiction or fiction, it just allows you to say, just learn something new and understand like what your story is too and how it like meets this character or this protagonist. Like that, that's really important to me. Yeah. And tell me about choosing the stories that went in this collection and kind of, you know, you, you chose the order very carefully and grouped them into four sections. And so you're kind of creating a bit of a narrative here. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So each, each writer, they're all brilliant storytellers and they all have stunning voices. So we have like the iconic writers like Alice Walker. And then the, the book starts off with Jamaican Kincaid's Girl, which is yes, the, you know, most the, iconic short story. Exactly. You really can't go any more iconic than Jamaican Kincaid's Girl. It's like, I knew that had to start off the collection. I said, it really sets the tone and it also gets into that, again, that voice inside someone's head. Um, so I was thinking of this as a again, a lens into Black girlhood through short story. And originally when I had this idea, I wanted to do something that was a little bit heavier, more than 15 stories. I was thinking of this like huge anthology, 600 stories divided by decade and timeline. And I had this, I had my like yellow um, notepad and I had like, it had everything listed. I had like my map, my board, my little sticky notes on the wall. Like I just did all this. And then I looked at it and I was like, this is beautiful. And there's so many incredible stories, but I feel like I'm losing focus. Like, I don't know where to start. It feels like a little bit too academic and textbook like, and I don't want that. Like, I do want there to be like more texture and feeling in each story. So it's like, I have to narrow this down, which is very hard. But as I was rereading everything, I like, it just hit me like a light bulb. I don't know. It just was like girlhood. Like what, what is like all these stories? Who are the young girls in this story? And one of my favorite stories um, is Alice Walker's Everyday Use, which has the mother and the two sisters and the, that, the quilt that they're, they're um, arguing over. Um, I, like and, I yeah. love the, like the, the idea of like seeing a person emerge and realizing they're a hippie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that, like, I was, I was actually reading that story and I was like, Oh, like this, I love this dynamic of looking from each side, especially from, again, from the mother's purview is to mm -hmm. observing her, both of her young daughter daughters. Um, and so I was like, Oh, like, what if I looked again at girlhood as the focus? And when I decided on that and then went back to my yellow notepad, like I was able to really kind of like sketch things out. It was love, self-discovery, belonging, innocence. Those things really came very like clear in each story and really shine through. And so as once I had those themes and I knew I was focusing on girls, I I was able to kind of like take that list and narrow it down. I wanted it also to have um, a sense of landscape and like, like all over the diaspora, iconic writers, as well as emerging writers, people that we've yeah. read in the well-read black girl, mm -hmm. like Alexia 
authors and Camille Acker. Both of them have been well-read Black girl book club picks. We read their books and celebrated them. And um, those were such special experiences because it was also their debut not novels and you know like stories together yeah. so it was just like it's like how can I bring all these things together like we know the Alice Walkers we know the Jamaican gays but maybe you don't know Camille Acker and you should um, she's a beautiful writer and star on the rise so I I was just thinking of all those things and then there was another moment Maris I love also like showing like new things like okay, maybe no one knows about this and, and it's like hidden. Um, so finding the Toni Morrison story and finding the Rita Dove story that is like, you know, Rita Dove is amazing, but most people know her for her poetry, you know? Yeah, so the yeah. fact that she had this, this wonderful the, yeah, short story. The Toni Morrison story is her only short story? Her only published short story. I imagine in her archives that like she has plenty of, um, you know, drafts and sketches of ideas, but this was the one that was published and it was placed in this anthology that was, um, it's called Confirmation that was done by Mary Baraka. And I have tons of anthologies and I was able to find that one. I was like, I, I know this has to be in here. And it's so well done. It is like just perfection. It is classic Toni Morrison where you are again, like uh, unsure of what the end, uh, ending will be, but you know, it's going to be good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so in, with her passing, I wanted to find another way to honor her and just like her, just her, the beauty of her prose. Um, and so to have this in the collection just feels like such an honor and to share that with you because most people don't know. Most people do not know about that story. Will you pronounce it for me, Glory? Oh, I, I, you know, I'm, it's, I think it's, it's French. I think it's Radcliffe, but I also stumble over that too. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, we should. That's why I'm like the story. <laughs> okay. Like, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll have to work on that. Yeah. It's, Yes, it was. So it was initially published in 1983 and the book was called Confirmation, an anthology of African-American women. I know I'm always like, I'm always like, how do you pronounce this word? I know. Um, So wait, I I like the idea, though, that you were starting out with like a college textbook level (laughs) um, uh, anthology that was winnowed down but does that mean that you have a lot of stuff left over yes there's so much stuff on the cutting room floor that I would love to because there were things that I wasn't able to include uh, just because the there's I mean the process of permissions is so intense too oh yeah during the pandemic oh I was like really going through it trying to get approvals and stuff um so three stories that I wasn't able to include that I would love to find a way uh, to work with, or not necessarily three stories, but three authors, I should say, mm-hmm. um, and Petrie. I, the, yeah, again, icon. I, w- I wanted to try to include something from her canon. Um, I love Cece Packer. You know, Drinking Coffee Elsewhere is one of my favorite books in the whole wide world brownies this like that iconic story I remember I remember like actually looking for the New York the New Yorker magazine yeah. another thing that I do is like I feel like do you I think you might have some I frame magazine covers a lot and stories that I love like I I'll like you know go get them framed and mounted um and so at one point I had brownies framed 
Um, and that's such a beautiful idea. Okay. Cause then you see it all the time. I also have like, you know, plenty of letters from like family members and it's just like a nice way to kind of create your own little shrine or like, you know, putting memorabilia in your house in a loving way. I think that's like so important. So your own little, it, uh, quilt for everyday use, perhaps. Exactly. Ex- exactly. I love that. <laughs> you know, so I try to do that with like pictures, but also just like things I love, I'll like put it in a frame and put it up and, and so I do that with stories and poems a lot. Um, so CZ Packer is one of the people that like has just had, again, that voice because her story is so strong with, with voice. Um, so I wasn't able to include that. So I wanted to find a way to pay tribute to CZ Packer in some way. Um, who else? So those are the two main ones that I was just like, ugh, it was like really hard to like let go and not be able to include their, their work. Uh, so this, there is so much potential for more anthologies or, or more just like a continuation of this because there's so much great work out there. And I mentioned earlier, like I really, because the internet is moving so fast and we're so, you know, hooked into these platforms, I want to make sure that we're like archiving them in an appropriate way. We understand that, you know, unfortunately we don't own Instagram or Facebook, uh, yes. you know, there's, there's no guarantee that these things will be available in the next decade, you know? And so having a library, having like a physical book that we can hold and read together um, is so important just for our cultural archive and, um, for our, just like our history. Like I, I love going to estate sales and used bookstores and seeing, reading the marginalia and, you know, like smelling the old books or finding newspaper clippings and books and things like that. Like there is so, it's like the beauty of that cannot be experienced on the internet. And so to find ways to connect those two worlds is really important to me and encouraging people to go to public libraries and support civic engagement and also independent bookstores and making sure that we are like you really, you know, giving back to our communities and supporting local authors is so essential to the work that I'm doing. And I'm really after I've, you know, I've worked at so many incredible spaces that are startups and all these spaces. Um, and we know the importance of a good pivot and the importance of, you know, having your ROI and all those things, but for my <laughs> own personal ROI success looks really different. What I will, my vision or version of success will be looking into like the next 10 years, the next 20 years and seeing the people that were part of my community and like the writers, especially seeing them publish books and seeing those books be successful and inspire future generations. That looks like success to me. And will I be able to pinpoint that right now at this moment? And, you know, no, not necessarily because inspiration inspiration you can't like it's hard to measure that like yeah giving someone that like creative you know push and like I I hope that's what I'm doing I hope someone is inspired when they read on girlhood or if they you know visit the Instagram feed um but I have no way of tracking that I will hopefully see it in the future I hope people will you know echo back to, to this time or a festival they intended and say that like that experience changed my life and I'm making an impact. Um, but you know, that's like, that's in the future. And I'm just like hoping to manifest that and put a lot of goodwill in the world. So that, that work happens organically, you know, you're very good at generating goodwill in the world. I think, Thank um, you. Thank you. I mean, and I, I do love the idea that I, I feel like 
as a consumer of the internet, you always want to be reading something new. You yes. want to always be moving on very quickly. And it's easy for me to forget that a big part of the reading process is going back and reconsidering the words that you know affected you years ago and, and figuring out where you are now. Yeah, because it's easy to do because we do that with film, like with music and music that with film all the time. Like you can, I, if I, I probably would be very embarrassed if everyone, anyone like really followed my Spotify playlist. <laughs> I like, I listen to the same four songs over mm-hmm. and over. It's like some TV on the radio, some Beyonce, like just, you know, some '90s jams. Like it's, it's pretty, pretty regular. You know, I, I just started like venturing out and doing some, some new things. So I'm, I'm hip with like Doja Cat and things like that. But, um, it's you know, I, I like the repetition. There's a comfort to it. And the, my books do the same thing, you know? So I kind of, I, I would love to be able to color code my library, but that's not what I do. I really do it by like use the things that I grab the, you know, most often. So, um, I, I read a lot of Tony Cade Gambara uh, a lot. So I read a lot of Tony Cade Gambara. I'm like reading a lot of Alice Walker, uh, Tony Morrison. I was, I have been using her um, latest, I don't know what, what we should call it. I don't think it's an anthology, but like the, the, um, the source of self-regard that like huge book of all of her writings and speeches. And- Collected works collected works exactly like that is on the top of my bookshelf because I go to that a lot for just inspiration and also to study their her just her prose you know looking at the sentence structure looking at how she just like really unpacks a subject in such a graceful way it's it it has to be I don't, you know, so it's either it's like God given, it's just like talent, they just mm-hmm. through your hands, or just kind of just like this intense and meaningful study of craft and curation and ideas. Um, and with her, I think what I learned the most from Morrison is just this kind of this fearlessness. Like she seems to be unafraid to tackle any subject and her intellect, it has so much rigor to it. It is just, it's profound to kind of read all of it in one huge collective, like reading The Bluest Eye and Sula and Beloved. And then, you know, going to the source of self-regard, even that title itself, I'm like, that title is just so like, you know, like all these things we're talking about, trusting the self, you know, self-trust, self-compassion, self-regard, like what what does that mean for for the individual? And what does that mean for, the collective community that she's talking to. So, you know, there, this could definitely be argued, but I feel like her voice and who the person that she's always seen at the center is the, the black person. Like, I feel like she, that is who she's talking to. And that, that is like where her writing begins and ends. Um, and so to read that and to have it as a, like a guy, like a study guide is just really enlightening for me. Um, especially because I came to this in a very unconventional way. And I, I give so much respect to academics, the PhD candidates and the, and the curators. We use the word curator very loosely now. Yes, we sure do. You know, but those who have gone to school for curation and anthropology and all these incredible intense subjects that, um, it's just beautiful to, to see how language can mean so much to so many different people and how we can use it to like bring community together. Um, 
and it, and it also like, there's so much culture expression that lives in it. And there's also this reckoning with the historical record. So we see that happening with the 1619 project, like words are powerful and they really just motivate and they have the ability to make people radical. And I, I am just in awe of all of that. And I think what people probably get the most for me is my enthusiasm because I'm very excited about it because I'm just see I'm just I see all the possibilities. Um, I might not have all the answers, but I definitely see all the possibilities of the things that we're like working and we're reading together. I love that, Glory. Uh, mm-hmm. I I too am uh, often overly enthusiastic, but I don't think we can be overly. Um, <laughs> before we go please recommend some books for us. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm like, I'm sitting on the table. So I'm trying, like, I was trying to pull like what's close to me. I just, like, this is new. I have not read it yet, but it's on my like nightstand TBR list. It is by, uh, let's see, For Brown Girls with Sharp Edges and Tender Hearts, A Love Letter to Women of Color. Um, and here, can you see that? And I, I'll yeah. put it like, so this is, I haven't read it yet, but this okay. is like on my list. Um, and then I also, because I've, I love the questions and I'm in this new transitional space, um, right now and really thinking about, because I turn 40 soon, I'm turning 40 in 2022. I know, I know. So I will be able to buy you a drink sometime. <laughs> I'm all for it, please. I need, I, I also at 40 want to have like a signature drink. So I'll work on that. Like, you know, like my drink, like this is my thing. Um, but because of that, I've been journaling more and I picked this book came out um, earlier this year, but it's what's your story and it's a journal for everyday evolution. <clears throat> and so there's, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> there's all these great questions. Like, what are you in the process of healing from? Um, what have you discovered about yourself from that healing process? What turns you on? Do you make time to cultivate sexual pleasure? Ooh. How do those expectations support or hinder your well-being? Like all these like very simple questions that I don't think that in, in a really long time I've like sat down like, hmm, like what is the answer? Like what's the real answer to, to this? So I've been trying to do some like deeper investigation in myself and my well-being and answer questions that maybe make me feel uncomfortable or make me like I've been avoiding. So I got this book to help help me. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, so and it's and it's also it's by Rebecca Walker and Lily Diamond and Rebecca Walker is Alice Walker's daughter. And she's so she's so fantastic. And what else do I have here? I'm also reading. This has been really good for me too. Another kind of motivation. I love this little book, Keep Moving, my Maggie Smith, another icon of the internet because her Indeed. was, you know, all of her quotes and things started by her sharing all these things on Twitter. But I also think it's just beautifully done because of the poetry and they're just like really quick, short reflections. So I, I tend to, when I have my journal time in the morning, I read a poem by Maggie Smith. Wonderful. Um, and the themes here are so incredible. It's like resilience and I mean, like revise the story you tell yourself about starting over. Consider not only how terrifying change can be, but also how exhilarating. I love it. Yeah. Consider this time an opportunity to make a new and improved life. Keep moving. So I'm like, yes, I'm going to keep moving <laughs> really in that like mindset. 
Um, and as I was like looking through my, my shelf, I was like, I have, I do read mostly nonfiction and that's why the, the community suggestions are so important for me, because if it was up to me, we would be reading memoir like every month. <laughs> like I, uh-huh. I read a lot of, I read a lot of memoirs. So I'm reading Toronto Bur- Burks, Toronto Burks Unbound right now. Um, and now that I think another, you know, influence of the internet, it's just, there's, there's a clear theme <laughs> that's happening, but reading what's happening, uh, her life story and how it sparked the Me Too movement and the iterations of her, her growth as a person as and as an activist. It's really beautiful. And uh, the book also pays tribute to the Maya Angelou and her story and how that influences, you know, myself and Serana. I mean, it just was, it's a really, really wonderful book. So I'm, I'm taking my time with it and like reading really slowly with this. And I'm also doing an audio I am an audiobook lover. Um, and then the last one is, I love this, another nonfiction, Minor Feelings, Kathy Park Hong, so good. Love I actually had, I, I read the arc, but then I, this is like, I got a, a nice new copy because it's like, I want a nice copy for my, for my bookshelf. Um, but yeah, this is another book that I feel just like speaks to the experience, American experience, what that means and what it means to be considered a minority. Um, and even that, that word, like I love the title, Minor Feelings, you know, just like, and she's also an incredible poet and essayist. I, I, I'm really drawn to that kind of writing. Yeah. Is, that, is this good? <laughs> Wonderful. Glory, thank you so much. This is so great. Thank you for listening to the Maris Review and check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.